everybody, and welcome to a brand new Power Half Hour. My name is Greg Mahochko, and my co-host on the West Coast, he is at Chad Smart. Vote smart. Vote. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Chad's not actually running. Chad, are you actually running for anything this year? I did not get my paperwork turned in, but yes, I wanted to because I had, you know, the perfect slogan, Vote Smart 2020, a better vision for America, because I'm sure no politician will be using that at any point this year. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I just didn't get the uh, the paperwork turned in, so we had to pull all the Vote Smart t-shirts that we had for sale at one point in time, and uh, I thank my parents for being the only two people to buy them, so... At least I had their vote. You know what, though? My wife has a, a B, was it B positive shirt. Do good. No, I think it's B positive. No, that's my blood type. But <laughs> I think it's mine, too. Hey, cool. In case I'm ever in an accident, I'll be like, call Chad. Get him here now. I need his <laughs> blood. Uh, so we're doing something we haven't done in several weeks, it seems like. And that's because you have fought it tooth and nail. The idea of watching a movie when you already watch movies for Out of Touchstone, the podcast that you have with Mike DeKalb, and uh, you also are working your way through uh, Disney cartoons. I, I am slowly catching up on some podcasts, and I know at one point you were going through all of the Disney Animation Studios uh, films. Uh, yeah, that stopped when I hit Chicken Little. Between Home on the Range and Chicken Little, I'm like, okay, I, I tap. Disney, you lost me. I, I still need to go back because... Uh, I've not watched Princess and the Frog or I think Tangled. I can't remember if that's Pixar or I think that's Disney. It is Disney. Brave is the Pixar film. But yeah, I haven't watched those, which are supposed to be good. So, but yeah, I have not watched a Disney film in quite some time. But I have just today, as we're recording for a future episode of Out of Touchstone, I watched the original movie Stella Dallas from 1937 which was remade in 1990 as, hold on, let me tell you what it was remade as, Stella. And, yeah, so I've been not watching a lot of movies um, not related to podcasts lately because I'm kind of movied out. Although, allegedly, you know, as of when this show is recorded and, and comes out, theaters here in California – may be opening up this weekend and if they are i i may just have to go out and see a movie just to get out of out of my apartment where i've been tired of staying inside for the last few months so i'm going to go pay to sit inside for a couple more hours at someplace else but at least it's someplace different yeah nobody's gonna that's, that's perfectly fine uh <laughs> So I'm excited, and it also just goes to show how far behind I am on the podcast scene. Uh, I've, I'm also uh, queued up in, in the Conrad Thompson podcast that you don't listen to. Uh, I'm finally to WrestleMania week. So just to show – actually, no, I'm, I'm the week before WrestleMania. I take that back. Uh, so I'm a little bit behind. I'll get caught up eventually, uh, or I'll just start deleting podcast category like podcast in mass like the entire podcast like i gave up on the jim ross show and arn no offense to those fine hall of famers just eh, i i only have i also gave up on uh, uh the id10t podcast with chris uh the uh, 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 thank you i was gonna say chris harbison but uh that is 
a friend of mine and not a celebrity, although he could be. He's funny. Uh, and he's been to Ireland, which is unrelated. We are, anyway, going back to our Power Half Hour Roots. We're going to spend a little bit of time this week talking about a movie I came across a few months ago and have wanted to watch it and did so last night. It's called American Folk. And right now, we're going to give the listeners an audio treat. Here is the audio version of the trailer that you can find on YouTube. Joni. Elliot. This is your captain speaking. We're returning to Los what Angeles. What did he say? The has shut down all air traffic. This country has been immobilized by these terrorist attacks. Where do you need to go? I don't know. Well, you need to get back east, right? I mean, yeah, but... Here's your ride. Another state line. Driving with this guy, it's a long story. I'm in this van with this girl, it's a long story. Singing at Towns Van Zandt, passing another round. Watching this With all this stuff going on, everyone's maybe examining their lives a little bit. Take it from one American to another. Wait a my worried mind, melody lips away. All the stories I heard about folk music kind of haven't experienced it. Well, we should bring it back. Bring what back? Bring back the folk. American Folk, Chad, it uh, begins on one of the most tragic days in American history, 9-11, and it it goes from there. When I first said American Folk as an option, and I think the other one, we might get to it later, I'll I'll save the other option, but I said American Folk, and you said, you know, I almost watched that. Yeah, let's watch that one. Um, What was your just initial... You know, when I say American folk, and maybe you looked at the poster or saw the image on on uh, Amazon Prime, what was your initial reaction to to the movie without even getting into the synopsis or anything like that? Yeah, when I saw the title, I it, it struck my interest because I do I am a fan of folk music, and so I figured it was something doing with that. And then I did read the synopsis, and I said, okay, this sounds interesting. I you know I. I was not familiar with with the movie. I wasn't familiar with the lead actor and actress. So I, I don't know why I didn't watch it at the time. Um, maybe I was saving it for, you know, this podcast. Or maybe I just didn't feel like actually sitting down and watching a movie at the time. But, no, I, I was very interested in, in, in seeing how the story was told and, and kind of going back like you mentioned, it does take place in the days following 9-11. And, you know, just going back to that era where, especially with everything that's going on in today's world, 
you know, we mentioned you mentioned it before uh, we started recording that in those days after we kind of as a country came together and there was a bit of unity. So I wanted to see how that translated into this movie. And there were moments of it. Uh, the okay, so briefly, uh, the story focuses on on two individuals. Uh, you have Elliot and Joni. Uh, both, according to Wikipedia anyway, are first-time actors. Elliot is played by Joe Purdy. Uh, Joni is played by Amber Rubarth. They're both musicians, and they both wrote original music for the movie. Um, but they are in L.A. on a plane towards New York on that fateful Tuesday morning. The plane turns around. You, you hear, heard that in the trailer. Uh, you know, they have to get back to New York. They end up borrowing a, a friend's van. It's a 1972 Chevy van and they just start going across and you do along the way meet you know a, a colorful cast of multicultural characters and you know a lot of a lot of you know fun people along the way um it it shows again at, at that time you know though I, I'm not trying to make any political statements but if, if you remember September 11, 12, 13, probably, you know, several months after that uh, attack, we were together, and it was very much an us-against-the-world mentality. And just briefly here, I'll, I'll get slightly political. It's unfortunate in the last 19 years we have gone back to the infighting that, you know, I guess we've always been known for. Uh, but so, at least for me, it was refreshing to see a little bit of that unity that, you know, we haven't seen in some time. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm with you. I don't want to get too political on this show because I have a whole other show called <laughs> Political Amity where I can do that. Oh, cheap plugs. Mm-hmm. But no, I, you know, I, I was wondering how you're going to do a movie that takes place starting off in Los Angeles, goes to New York, and it's essentially a road movie. It, you know, it's like a, ser- a serious cannonball run, if you will. And I was looking to see how the characters would interact when they uh, came into contact with people along the way. And I, there, was a, there were a few moments where I think the timing didn't match up. Like, you know, it'd be like, okay, you they've traveled for what I had thought had been like three or four days. And, then, and it seemed like they were referencing stuff that would have happened the day after 9-11, so 9-12, you go by the Gregorian calendar. And so little elements of that were off. I, I was also expecting a little bit more uh, folk music or folk focus, but really other than the one scene with, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but he's the bald, tattooed guy. Uh, I know tells exactly. Him uh, his name was Margo. Okay, Barger. Yeah, he, he tells them where they, this guy that can probably help fix the van. And then toward, towards the end of the trip, they stop off in West Virginia and meet a bunch of other folk musicians. They're really, you know, other than listening to some folk music along the way, like I, I didn't feel like the folk music was as big of an aspect as I was expecting, which is not to say it's a bad thing. I just, you know, had one expectation and this movie did not meet it in that regard. So I'm I'm going to politely disagree. I thought mm-hmm. that the music played a 
big part because as you learn towards the beginning of the movie, Elliot, uh, the character Elliot, he's going back mm-hmm. to New York to, you know, rejoin a band or, or, um, uh, I think they're called the hairpin triggers, which is kind of funny. Um, but you know, and he's trying to write this, you know, perfect song and, and along the way, you know, he, he meets, no, I say along the way in the beginning of the movie, he, he meets Jody coming to find out the friend who lends them the van says, Oh, she's got the voice of an angel. You find out she can also play guitar. So they just start kind of riffing and, and, uh, you know, the, they kind of bond over music. I thought, well, no, I guess you're right. They do. I, I, I guess, um, I can explain it better. I was, I, I, I don't know how, uh, how to rephrase it, but, yeah, the, you know, you mentioned the hairpin triggers, and at one point early on in their in their drive, she he gets upset with her, and then she insults the band, and and what? But you know, it's a fictional band, as far as I know. I, right. I think they're, they're a real band, but we never like heard anything by them in the movie to know whether or not they were good or uh, my. You know, my my interpretation is they are not the same type of music that the main character normally plays with that he's you know the, especially given the song that he is working on and writing so i mean there is music throughout the movie i don't want to say you know you only have like a beginning and an end right. song but I, I just thought the music would be more because when they meet fargo you know he the main character um, can't re- remember his name i'm gonna call him joe purdy because elliot that's okay elliot he he's on the payphone talking to someone and she's playing guitar and Fargo walks up and they start singing and, or this, yeah, it's Fargo. And, you know, I, I was expecting more of those type moments or even when they're in the, in the van, you know, he's looking through the cassette tapes. He's like, Oh, Towns Van Zant and someone else. And I, I was expecting some more uh, usage of, music. of music in that way. But, uh, and I was also expecting like more people to, for them to come into contact with, which, Unfortunately, I think because they had the storyline of their van overheating a lot, needing to be work, worked on, they, you know, it settles in. They meet this guy named Whitey out in the middle of nowhere. And I, I guess I would have wanted more interactions because they meet Whitey and then they meet this, um, these two girls that are trying to get to West Virginia. And they kind of go with them for the last third of the film. But I, yeah, I was just expecting more people. Yeah, definitely. Highlights, I think, maybe the um, uh, alone, loneness. What's the right word, smart man? The, I mean, they 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 were essentially alone, you know, and that was, mm-hmm. I think, that was one of the, um, you know, ways that you got to meet, you got to go on the road with them, is because for most of the movie, like you said, it was just Elliot and Joni. Um, and so I didn't, I, I liked the, their interaction with the other characters, like you said, uh, Fargo, Whitey, uh, the young, uh, couple that, that hitched a ride to, uh, yeah, it was Tennessee and Virginia, Bristol. Um, and you know, just, it, it was, it was nice to see their interactions, but honestly, I, I enjoyed, I think most the, the way that the two of them, I don't want to say grew together because they never, 
you know, they, they both make it, spoiler, both make it to New York at the end, but they don't couple up, you know, there's no mm-hmm. shipping there. Um, but you see, you know, they, they, they are, their road is like a roller coaster. Their, their emotional road is like a roller coaster because there's some bickering. There's a lot of getting along. There's a, uh, a night at the bar that they almost, and then he's like, he, I think, you know, I don't know if you got this sense, but Elliot felt a little rejected. So he's like, no, I'm just going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> and Johnny <laughs> says, the floor yeah. is gross. Get up on the bed. So they do, you know, facing separate directions because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different time. I don't know. It, it, uh, I just, this was the thought that I had. Tell me if, if you had the same thought because they did not get their luggage off of the plane when they landed back <laughs> in LA. And so they're wearing the same clothes all through the movie. And, at some point, you got to think there starts to be. They're they're driving through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. Yeah. There's got to be some stank on them clothes. Yeah, I wondered about that because I wondered, you know, were they did they not have luggage because she was flying back home and maybe she splits her time between L.A. and New York. He was going to New York for a gig, so maybe he just had some carry on that uh, all fit into his guitar case. I don't know, but I mean, I've driven from Illinois to Los Angeles and that was a three day drive. So to get, and I've driven from uh, Illinois to um, to DC. So that was also like a two day drive. So yeah, we're looking at a good five, six days on the road, especially since they couldn't go over 55 right? Um, because there was a bomb on the bus. Wait, no, different, no, different movie. Different movie. Uh, yeah, this one just overheated. And so, yeah, and especially if they're going, you know, through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, that's going to be some some hot days. And I hope they had some good deodorant, maybe some Axe body spray <laughs> they were putting oh, on. God, no. Well, 2001 would have been like the height of Axe body spray's power. Yeah. Um, so. No, I – and and – I, I was going to say something and then it just slipped away. Something about the movie, you know, I, I enjoyed, you know, all aspects of this movie. It was, you know, look, it had a little bit of, you know, language, but this is a movie that I'd sit down and watch again with my wife. Cause I think she would appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I tried, but I think we lost the TV battle before bedtime to <laughs> some ridiculous cartoon or, or something like that. But, uh, uh, so I watched after, after my son went to bed. Um, but no, I, there, there was just so much to appreciate about this movie, which is, you know, we mentioned it was Joe Purdy and Amber Rubarth's first time as actors. David Hines wrote and directed the movie. and It was his first time doing both. Now he has had some, um, editing credits. He's, he's done some visual effects and, and editing. Uh, for example, did some editing for the call of the wild this year. um, uh, trying to see other movies that would be uh he's been in the editorial department for Gulliver's Travels, Hitman, Wicker Park, Underworld, did visual effects for War of the Planet of the Apes, The Jungle Book, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I don't blame him for that, I'm just saying. Uh Live Free. I mean, he's he's been you know, visual effects editor for a lot of these movies for the last, you know, almost 20 years. Um, you know, another underworld, uh, movie. So this was his, 
it, it, it was a lot of inexperience, you know, putting this movie together. As we mentioned, you know, the first time, you know, co-stars, first time writer, director. But something about the movie, and, and maybe it was, for lack of a better term, you know, and it's weird to say because it was immediately after 9-11, but it was a simpler time. You know, at, at that time, from from... And I'm making gross generalizations. I, I apologize, but you knew. Uh, I don't even. Want, I hesitate to say, but you kind of <laughs> you, you knew it, it was a united front from the states, and everybody was helping. You know their their fellow man, and it, it just if if we could have bottled up some of that inner, you know, some of that positivity, even in in the face of tragedy, and you know had it for moments like this. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Chad, bail me out. <laughs> well, I will uh, give my thoughts on the film and save you from whatever you were, that hopeful message you were, you were trying to give. Thank you. But, you know, I, I think the backdrop of 9-11 actually kind of hurt this film because it kept coming up in the discussion where I would have just liked to seen a, a road movie to see how these people interact with different people along the way. And, you know, part of it is maybe this is because this is something I've thought about wanting to do over the last couple of years um, with all the traveling that I've done over the last six years in the, my quest to see every NHL hockey team. Now I'm like, I want to go and just talk to different people from different parts of the country to see how they perceive things, how, you know, how are, are we as different as social media and regular media media would have you believe, or do we actually have some interconnecting bonding that, you know, if we just sit down and talk to each other, we can do. So that, that was one of the reasons why I was interested in watching this movie to see how these interactions played out. And like I said, the, the scenes with Whitey while entertaining because they had the, the, plot contrivances of, oh, he's fixing the van so they can keep going. I would have rather just seen, you know, take out the drama of are we going to make it or not and just be a movie about showing how America had come together. Show show that positivity of this. And um, I was not familiar with Joe Purdy or Amber Robarth. hope I got her name correct. Um, but after the movie, I did look up um, some of their music and I, I, I liked what I heard. Um, Joe Purdy's last album before, besides the soundtrack for this movie came out in 2016. And there's a lot of songs on there that I think are very, uh, relevant to today. I know it's only been four years, but you know, I would, I would recommend checking them out. I can't remember what the name of the album is. And probably who, should have taken some notes. Who will be next? Um, According to AmericanFolkMovie.com, okay. which had, uh, uh, I'll just tell you what, what it says about Joe. It says, uh, an internationally acclaimed singer-songwriter who has released 14 albums over the last 15 years. His latest album, Who Will Be Next, is deeply rooted in the tradition of artists such as yada, yada, yada. Uh, and I only say, not knowing if he's, I'm sure he's done something since then, but at least at the time of the movie, he had 14 albums since, like, since, hell, since 2001, so... No, I, I and I like folk music, and if you by chance do follow me on Twitter, 
you would have seen that today I was uh, tweeting out some folk music recommendations that I, I had discovered on YouTube. And so uh, I'll give them a quick shout out. There's a band from Branson called Peterson Band, and they're a family band. Um, they, they've done a couple of live, I guess you can call them concerts, so like half hour performances um, since everyone is in quarantine lockdown. But yeah, I, I like folk music. Uh, I'll throw, throw another cheap plug in for the Out of Touchstone podcast. Day before Greg and I recorded this episode, Mike and I over at Out of Touchstone recorded our 1989 year in review. And, and a slight spoiler, uh, my favorite soundtrack from the 1989 movies was for the movie Blaze, which is all Southern music. And, and yeah, I just – folk music, you know, listening to a lot of folk music today, I'm like, that is – that's the American heartland, you know, and, and it's just a simpler message. And, and I think a lot of people need to listen to, to folk music and we need to bring bring the folk back, you know. Well, this film has 76% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't always agree with Rotten Tomatoes. I think, you know, everybody should watch something and, and form their own opinions. Uh, but if you go and read more on Wikipedia, two out of the three uh, reviews are, are positive. Uh, the only negative review comes from the Washington Post, where it says the songs lend the film an emotional resonance that the forced dialogue often struggles to achieve. Now, hearing our conversation up to this point, Chad, what I'm hearing really is that you need to hop in a vehicle with a film crew and just go around the country and talk to people. I, I would love to, uh, you know, if I had the money to do so, or if someone is listening to this and wants to contribute to our non-existent Patreon fund and give us the money to do so, I, you know, it wouldn't be anything original cause I'm sure you, you can probably go on YouTube and find people doing it. But I, I, I think for me, it's more of, you know, getting out of my comfort zone and, and just experiencing different parts of the country that I normally don't get a chance to. And so, you know, I believe it's at the Mark Twain uh, house, the Mark Twain house, or maybe uh, in, in, um, in Connecticut or yes, I believe it's there. I'm going to say it's there. Hopefully I'm correct, but it's, they have a slogan out there called uh, uh, that says uh, something that, completely slipped my mind. I totally lost my thought here. It's uh, uh, travel is something to intolerance. And basically what it means is you have to get out and you have to get to know people. So that's my really bad mumbling and stumbling for two minutes. No, that's fine. And, and I mean, I can, I, I'm picking, I'm not Googling that. I'm just picking up the basics of, Hey, look, the only way you're going to broaden your horizons is to get off your ass and broaden your horizons. You know, you, you get out of the house, you get out of your comfort zone and you go and you talk to people, you know, out of your echo chamber, I think is the, is mm -hmm. the buzzword that has been going around, you know, social media the last, Oh, you know, social media is just an echo chamber for, you know, group think and like thought and yada, yada, yada. Um, so the only way that you break out of that is by breaking out of it. You know, you got to rip off the bandaid, right? Yes, travel is fatal to prejudice, I believe it's the saying. Boom, look at you. There you, you go. You Googled. I, I did not. I Actually, I was trying to find the picture on my Facebook page, but the Facebook app is terrible for actually finding anything. 
True. So I, it just came to me. Travel is fate because I remember posting that on social media, and one of my friends was like, "I disagree because I think if you travel and you actually meet people, you realize everyone's are you know there are jerks everywhere." So agreed. Like, no, you have to think positive though. You have to find those people. And yeah, so let's just you know where we're coming down. We've got one minute left in this show. We're not going to get political, but. All I can say, you know, on on the Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network, we end every show with do something positive. And I think that's that's my motto in life is just it it doesn't cost anything to be nice to people. Focus on that. I don't know. It can cost a lot to get bailed out for giving someone a hug that they didn't want, Chad. Well, I mean, I have the restraining orders to back that up, but yeah. (laughs) Most famous restraining order, ready to go. Uh... So watching it, oh man, I was just watching something today that said uh, restraining order is uh, when you love someone so much you can't help it, so you have to get the police involved uh, to keep you away. My my most famous restraining order, Rob Lagojevich. We're out of time, everybody. Uh, no, we got ten minutes, ten seconds. Okay, um, so spell Blagojevich. B l a g o v i c h. And we're out of time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.